Good evening. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse, and you are listening to the Elchar Chronicles. I'm your host, Karen Elchar. This evening, our topic relates to the protection of America's national emblem, the bald eagle. We'll touch on Pennsylvania State Senate Bill 709, which increases the fine for purposely killing a bald or golden eagle, Operation Game Thief, and lead poisoning, which is affecting not only bald eagles, but other creatures. My guests are Pennsylvania Senator Lisa Boscola, representing the 18th District, encompassing parts of Lehigh and Northampton counties, Travis Lau, Communications Director for the Pennsylvania Game Commission, and Robin Gabrowski, Founder and Executive Director of Center Wildlife Care. We begin with Senator Boscola. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's great to be here, Karen. Thanks for inviting me on your program. You recently introduced Pennsylvania Senate Bill 709 on eagle protection. So what was your inspiration, your motivation to introduce the bill? Well, first of all, I always had an admiration of this majestic bird, our bald and golden eagles. Then I admired how they did fight their way back from the endangered species list. And I, I know that they need to remain protected. But what happened was in 2015, Two bald eagles were killed, one in Carbon County and one in McConnellsburg, just a few months apart. And I was reading those articles, and those two instances, they made me curious about what penalties were there for just shooting these birds out of the sky for no reason. These are magnificent birds fighting their way back from the endangered species list. And I was researching, what are we going to do to stop other individuals from just shooting bald eagles out of the sky? Well, it was quickly when I'm doing my research that I realized that the penalties were way too low. They did not act as a deterrent to stop people from harming bald eagles. Uh, It was a $200 fine, and it was not enough to incentivize the Game Commission to really investigate when these instances occur. When you increase the penalty like the bill does, to $2,000, you're going to get more attention and maybe more deterrency and incentivize the Game Commission. I did not come up with the $2,000 increase just willy-nilly. What I did was spoke to the Game Commission and other wildlife firms, and that's about what it costs to replace a bird once it's either injured or dead. And you mentioned you introduced bills um, even in prior years, and at least in one instance, the bill recently just passed the Senate, But you had one previously which passed through the Senate, went to the House, but nothing happened with it. They didn't take it up. So is there controversy surrounding this issue, or why do you believe the House didn't move forward with it previously? Right. So it did pass the House near unanimously several times. And in the past week, it it was near unanimous, only two negative votes. And those negative votes, um, both individuals came up to me and said they just don't like increasing penalties on anything, (laughs) right? Hmm. So it wasn't about the bird itself. Anyway, I think the issue in the House was politics, pure and simple. It was a Republican-controlled House back then, several years ago when this was passed out of the Senate. And I was a Democrat. And the Republican-controlled House was not coming out many Democratic bills at all. It didn't even get the light of day out of the Game and Fish Committee in the House. So, and sometimes it's just that simple. I'm a Democrat, Republican-controlled House. They're not moving any Democratic bills. 
Now, this is a little different because when it passed out of the Senate recently, the House is now under Democratic control, and I'm a Democrat. So I'm more optimistic that the politics of it won't get in the way and that this bill can get to the governor's desk just based on the merits of it. Because most people, if you ask them, what do you think about this bill, are going to say, yes, increase the fine. And it's not a controversial bill, really, if you think about it. So I'm more very hopeful. So I just have to go over and talk to committee members over in the House, get it passed out of the House committee uh, for a vote. You're, you're going to ha- hardly get any negative votes on this bill, right? So it's just a matter of getting the committee chairman to move it. And that's going to be my job right now. Mm-hmm. So it's past the Senate. It's going over to the House. And you think you'll have greater support this time around. Do you actually have a champion or an advocate on the House side? With, is it going over to the Game and Fisheries Committee or whatever it's called on the House well, side? Yeah. Okay. So do you think you've got an ally, an advocate, someone who can champion this particular bill? No, not really. I mean, when you look at the groups that came out for it, when the bill was moving through the Senate, it was the um, PA Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, the Pennsylvania Association of Nationally Chartered Organizations, that's the uh, congressionally chartered nonprofits, such as like the American Legion, Boy Scouts, uh, Red Cross, things like that, and the Humane Society of the U.S. So we had these organizations pushing it, but no real champions advocating for this in the House right now. It's just I'm going to have to be that champion. I've, I've been. But it's funny when I talk to members, Republican members in the Senate, they're like, why, Lisa, this is such a great bill. We've got to get this through. Why would anybody be opposed to this? It's our national symbol. It's on our state flag, right? Mm-hmm. It adorns monuments and buildings. And, like, right, so if we can just get the bill up for a vote, I know that we can get this passed. But I really do want it on the Uh, governor's desk this year, if possible. It might have to be so simple as when we're going through this budget cycle, I mean, we have a lot of activity going on right now. Maybe it would be on a trade list. I don't know. Most listeners probably wouldn't know what that means, but a trade list means the Democrat and Republicans leader come together and say, okay, here's 10 bills that I want passed in the House. Here's 10 bills I want passed in the Senate. Right. The R's will have 10. D's will have 10. Democrats will have 10. And they're going to have to negotiate it and say, like, we want my leader's going to have to go. We want Lisa Boswell's bill to protect the bald beagle on the trade list. So that's the other way I can hopefully uh, get this bill passed as well. Well, let me ask. So you've had organizations who support you and in this bill, et cetera. What else can the public do? Like, has Pennsylvania Audubon Society commented or? They have not. I don't know why, but, you know, that's something I can do moving forward. I just was more confident that this bill was going to get out of the Senate because it has a couple times already. And now my job is in the House. But again, it's a not really a controversial bill. People that hear about it want to support it. It's just a matter of, you know, getting on the trade list. A lot of House Democrats now are feeling their oats because they got into the majority for the first time. It's 102, 101, and they just want to get their bills passed. 
mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so it's so competition they're not even as well. looking at any Senate bills right now. <laughs> but yeah. we got to have them focus on that, and that's why I say it has to be part of the trade where the Senate and the House have to talk together and say, yes, we want House bills passed into the governor's desk, and we want Senate bills passed and on the governor's desk, and this should be one of them. Okay, so you're you're working through the government perspective. You're working through the House. Um, you'll be talking to people on committees, etc. What I'm trying to do now is how do we generate support from the public standpoint? Well, programs like yourself. Uh, when I get articles in the press about this bill passing the, the Senate, and people, you know, need to contact. Uh, the state representatives in their area right now and push them to move Senate Bill 709, the Boscola Bald Eagle Bill, to the floor for a final vote. That's the best thing the public can do right now. They don't have to worry about the Senate. We've taken care of it. It's now we need to contact state reps. And what I would do is contact the state reps that are on the Game Fish Committee and because they're the first ones and have them push to move Senate Bill 709. Excellent recommendation. So we will ensure uh, that our listeners have that and they can move forward in meeting with their own legislators, whoever is representing them within their own district to show how important this is. And then obviously, as you mentioned, for the Gaming Fisheries Committee, working through that representative as well. So is there anything else you'd like to discuss? No, I'm just so hopeful because, look, I wanted our Commonwealth the state of Pennsylvania to show our passion and pride behind these amazing animals and ensure their continued growth right in the wild. And when I pointed out on the Senate floor that these majestic birds, they generally mate for life. So killing one bald eagle has the potential of affecting the population because these birds need a, both a mother and a father to be raised to maturity. You know, they lay about two eggs a season, it's possible you can get 40 eaglets over a 20-year span of reproduction, but they, they don't only mate for life, but they also live and occupy in the same nest with their partner as well. And I always like to say, talk about a family unit, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about this in these ways, people just get more and more it's more and more involved, or they care more, like, oh, this is beautiful. Why aren't we there protecting them? So that's the message we need to send out there. Well, Senator Boscola, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, and best wishes on hopeful ultimate passage of this legislation. Well, Karen, I hope to talk to you when it does pass, right? Yes, (laughs) we'll have a follow-up when it passes. There you go. Okay. My guest has been Pennsylvania State Senator Lisa Boscola, representing the 18th District, parts of Lehigh and Northampton counties, discussing her Eagle Protection Bill SB 709. We're going to take a short break. You are listening to the Elchar Chronicles. Do stay tuned. WDIY Allentown, 88.1, Lehigh Valley Public Radio. Many choices, real voices. Welcome back to the Elchar Chronicles. Prior to the break, Pennsylvania Senator Lisa Boscola provided insights into her Bill 709 on Eagle Protection, which would increase the state fine from $200 to $2,000 for killing a bald or golden eagle. I also recently became aware of a program of the Pennsylvania Game Commission called Operation Game Thief. And there's been a fair amount in the news lately of eagles still dying of lead poisoning. So, Robin, let's move to the lead poisoning and related issues. 
First, you're the founder and executive director of Center Wildlife Care in Port Matilda, which is near State College. So tell us about your background, why you established this organization, and what you do. Thank you for inviting me, first of all. I have a background in animal science. I went to Penn State and actually graduated in animal bioscience, planned to go to vet school, but switched gears and then became a research assistant at Penn State. While I was working at Penn State, I founded Center Wildlife Care in 1995 and, you know, and started rehabilitating wildlife because there was definitely a need in center, the center region and in center county. We have now grown to taking 2,000 wild animals per year, everything from bunnies to bald eagles. Oh my goodness, that certainly keeps you quite busy. So for at least the past two years, there have been a number of news reports on bald eagles dying from lead poisoning. And I'd seen a, an article, I think it was dated in March of this year, that they're still dying of lead poisoning. So are there visible indications of when an eagle is in distress and what should people do or not do if they come across an eagle just standing? Oh, yeah, that, that's important information. We, we've actually been seeing eagles with lead for over 10 years um, since we got a blood lead machine. But if people do find an eagle that's grounded, they should call the Game Commission for assistance. They should not try to catch it because they can be dangerous, even when they're injured or sick. But they should keep an eye on it so that the officer can find it when they get there. Hmm. Okay. So people would need to know like a phone number of the game commission, but today with iPhone, you know, with cell phones, we have fairly easy access. I would also think that most people would probably call the local police. Yes. And, and the game commission um, number would be available at the 911 center, or they could call the game commission number, which would be 833-PGC-WILD. Oh, that's an easy one to remember. Can repeat that one again? Sure. The state hotline for the Game Commission is 833-PGC-WILD, W-I-L-D. How does the eagle look? Is it just standing there or like, how can you tell if it's in distress or if it's just standing there because it's standing there, like waiting for prey well, or something? Sometimes it's hard to tell, but if they're in the same spot for a very long time, several hours or more than one day, that's a red flag. Um, or if its wings are droopy, or if its head is down. But it usually the key is that it's staying in one spot for more than a day. So when an eagle is brought to your facility, so how do you identify the cause of the problem? And what do you do to try to save the or rehabilitate the animal or the bird? The very first thing we do is take blood. And um, we have a blood lead machine that we can actually test the blood and have results in three minutes um, to know whether or not the eagle was exposed to lead. We have found that all adult eagles that we have tested in over 10 years have had some level of lead, except for one that had rodenticide poisoning. We use a chelation therapy, chelation drugs to bind with the lead and take it out of the system so it can be voided in the kidneys. How long does it actually take, generally speaking? How long does it take to actually rehab a bird? It can take a few months or several months. We have had a couple birds for a year. Um, we had a snowy owl that had lead poisoning, and we had to keep that bird for a year before we could release it back out into the wild. So in your opinion, what are the causes of lead poisoning? Well, it's not in my opinion. It's actually lots of 
data and research out there that indicates it's lead ammo, bullets and pellets, and lead tackle. And we've seen it in all species of wildlife, especially the scavenger birds, waterfowl, any scavenger that eats meat that you know, would pick up um, animals that are hit by cars or shot. And we've seen it in birds that don't eat carrion. We've seen it in owls that typically eat live food. So if a bird is clipped by um, lead ammo and has powdery residue or the pellet in them and an owl eats them, they can get lead poisoning. Now we're seeing it in opossums and um, there's research on or information online where hunting dogs are getting it from being fed scraps from hunted animals. And so any animal that eats meat can get lead poisoning. So if it's if some of that lead poisoning is coming from ammunition that has lead in it, is there an alternative for? Yes, there is an alternative that's copper bullets and copper ammo. It's becoming more and more available. And so it is slightly more expensive, but the price is coming down. And so if somebody is hunting, they can get their copper ammo for hunting purposes and use their lead for target practice. So when you see some of these eagles or other animals that are coming into your facility, do you also see, I don't know how prevalent copper ammunition would be, for example, but do you find that as well? No, we don't typically find the actual pellets or the actual bullets in the animals. They go through the animals. The only exception is occasionally we get birds that have small pellets in their gizzard. But if they have pellets in their gizzard that stay in their gizzard, they typically don't make it because it's such a high level that we we can't get them to the vet soon enough to get the pellets removed before they die of lead. Mm -hmm. So you also mentioned early on rodenticide. So can you expound on that? as far as, you know, eagles or other animals dying from rodenticide? Well, when people use um, rat poison, any animal can eat the rats, mice, squirrels, or whatever might eat the rat poisoning, and it goes right up the food chain. So if uh, a rat eats rat poison and goes out in the open and dies, they're easy targets for predators. And of course, predators are going to go after the sick and weak because they're easy. They don't have to work as hard and it'll go right up the food chain. So I'm not sure what this eagle ate, but it came in. We uh, tested it for lead. It was actually negative for lead, which we were surprised, but it was extremely anemic. The Wildlife Futures Program took the bird and did a necropsy and found that it was rodenticide poisoning or rat poison. So is that your first instance that you've had regarding rodenticide poisoning? No, it, it has not been. We've seen it in other birds of prey, hawks and owls. Um, but this is our first eagle that we saw with rodenticide poisoning that was verified through necropsy. Okay. You also mentioned um, lead poisoning as far as tackle is concerned. Can you expound on that? Because that, I presume, would also affect people, not just fish or whatever eats the fish. Yes. Yeah, so animals can eat fish that have lead tackle in them or a scavenge or pick up the pellets. Swans and ducks and geese can pick up the lead pellets that happen to be along the shoreline and or eat fish that have, uh, you know, a fishing line on them or tackle and, and consume that and get lead poisoning that way. Do you think that morphs then into, you know, human consumption and ingestion? Well, sure. It can People can get lead poisoning. Food banks won't take hunter caught or hunter shot deer for that reason, because there's a risk of lead poisoning. 
Ah, I did not know that. So what's your opinion about the bill that Senator Boscola has presented on protecting Eagle and increasing fines? Do you think that's going to be a benefit? I hope so. Um, These animals need all the protection they can get. What kind of opposition do you think this bill would have? That's a good question. Travis may answer, have a better answer for that. Okay. So is there anything else you'd like to mention that we really haven't talked about as far as either, you know, lead poisoning or what you're seeing in the animals when they come in for your care and rehabilitation? Well, we're seeing all kinds of animals, most of which are orphaned or injured as a direct result of human influence. Lead poisoning is one thing we can fix. We can switch to copper ammo, and that's one thing that, you know, we can prevent from happening in the future. Um, there's other things, too, that, that are human-caused. If people find a wild animal that needs attention, they can find a licensed wildlife rehabilitator at pawr.com. P is in Paul, awr.com. It's online, and there's the, that is the most recent list of licensed wildlife rehabilitators. We'll have to remind our listeners of that. Uh, at the end of our program. Licensed Wildlife Rehabilitator. Thank you so much. Okay, well, since I brought up a question that was punted over to Travis, we won't begin with that one. However, Travis, you're with the Pennsylvania Game Commission, uh, your communications director. And as I mentioned earlier, I just recently found out about Operation Game Thieves. So can you tell us about it? What's it all about? Yes, you know, Operation Game Thief is a program that enables the public to timely report wildlife crimes. And, and Operation Game Thief is specific to big game. In Pennsylvania, we have deer, bear, elk, and turkey, and then also threatened and endangered species. So it, it's pretty much completely comprehensive, but not quite. It is specific to, to those categories of animals. But, but it was established uh, initially as a tip line, rebranded uh, more recently as Operation Game Thief. It's, it's a program that there are similar and, and identically named programs in other states. But the big difference that Operation Game Thief made in Pennsylvania when it was brought on board was it, it made the reporting of wildlife crimes more efficient. It, it put the reports in our officers' hands quicker, uh, al- allowed for the possibility of, of catching someone in the act. A- anyone who's watched a, a television cop drama knows the importance of getting the investigation started and starting to collect those facts early on. And, it, and it's really no different with investigating wildlife crimes. Now, since the onset of Operation Game Thief, we have made some other internal changes that's made it easier for the public to report any wildlife incident or any hunting-related crime that we would be brought into. Uh, we, we've established a centralized dispatch center. It had been that each of the Game Commission's six regions, all of which serve a cluster of counties, had separate phone numbers. And depending on where in the state an incident occurred, you would need to call the appropriate phone number to get a response. Now all of that has been centralized. There, there are dispatchers who work around the clock. We can quickly act similar to the way we did. The, the difference that Operation Game Thief made has now been applied to the other incidents that, that our officers field. So uh, 
Robin had mentioned the the phone numbers for the centralized dispatch center. It's one eight three three. It's PGC Hunt and PGC Wild. Uh, the uh, easy to remember numbers. The Operation Game Thief number, uh, which goes to a an answering machine, but then is quickly deployed to our dispatchers, is one eight 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 PGC eight thousand one. So they're they're separate numbers serve serve separate purposes. You know, the the other difference with Operation Game Thief, uh, in addition to it applying to big game and threatened and endangered species, is that there is also a, a mechanism under the law where tips from Operation Game Thief that result in, in convictions to wildlife crimes uh, are subject to reward. So those tipsters often are compensated with a, with a monetary reward if their cases result in convictions. But in, in any case, you know, no matter how you would go about getting hold of the game commission, I think that it's important for people to know that we're here. We're here to protect the state's wildlife and habitats. And, and, and if you see something, say something, you know, and with a lot of the big game violations that would be reported to Operation Game Thief, we have a lot of, of poaching incidents, some of which would be shooting deer from a vehicle at night. Uh, you know, those types of incidents tend to stand out. Shots are heard. And when reported to us, we have a chance to, to step in and, and bring violators to justice. So you have officers available, game officers available 24-7, 365, like around the clock? Yes and no. It depends on the nature of the incidents. The game wardens themselves are still a thin green line. We have in most counties what would be one or two and sometimes three warden districts. So that one game warden, no matter where the district is based, is going to be responsible for a lot of area. There's going to be a lot of area to patrol. Now, as far as the round the clock aspect, they'll work shifts and, and they'll work different shifts on different days. And, and you know, in a case where there is nighttime poaching known to be occurring, those officers often do work overnight shifts, but it might not be every night. So it, depending on the nature of the report too, sort of uh, dictates the nature of the response and, and, and how quickly we must respond. Because if there is no longer a violator in the field and, and, and no longer a chance to catch somebody in the act, uh, a, a speedy response might not really make the difference that it does in a case where the tables are turned. But uh, there, there's always a 24-7 conduit to the game commission through the centralized dispatch center, and then our dispatchers can, can involve officers in the appropriate manner. Mm-hmm. So I was also reading that uh, Pennsylvania ranks third in these activities, unfortunately. So I think it was Texas and Florida ranked first and second with issues. So you've seen, in your opinion, you've seen the benefits of this particular program. Yes. Yes. There's no no doubt about it that, you know, I think with with a lot of our cases in general, and, you know, it's like 
nighttime poaching is the example I like invariably bring up because it's sort of like the iconic image of poaching, but it, it really does run the gamut. And there, there are violations that can and do occur in the act of hunting that are that our officers are always on the lookout for and, and enforce the law uh, in, in those areas too. But yeah, you know, in the end, people are an important component of passing information to us, regardless of the characteristics of the case and how information is being obtained. There's usually going to be a need for people to divulge information that leads to an arrest. And, and, And that's made easier through things like Operation Game Thief, the centralized dispatch center, where getting started in that process really is just a phone call away. So, Travis, one last question regarding Senator Boscola's bill, number 709, uh, regarding increasing fines for intentionally killing an eagle. Do you anticipate any pushback? Do you find that there's going to be significant support on the House side in getting this passed? I expect minimal resistance to, to that bill. Um, that the the public is is and has been supportive of eagles and, and bald eagles excite the public like no other wild wild animal in Pennsylvania. So between you, Travis and Robin, do you have any additional thoughts or any other information you'd like to tell our listeners? The only thing I would like to add is wildlife rehabilitators are uh, funded by donations, and most are volunteers. We have a staff of about 50 to 60 volunteers that help us care for 2,000 animals a year. And Travis, any final thoughts from you? No, you know, um, building on what Robin had said earlier, advising listeners to call the Game Commission first if there is wildlife in distress. I I would echo that. The law does permit the picking up of, of injured wildlife to take directly to a rehabilitator. So it's not prohibited by law to intervene at that point to to possess wildlife temporarily. It's a provision within the law, but as Robin pointed out, bald eagles in particular and wildlife in general can be dangerous, Uh, you know, not only for physical injuries that they might give you, but also the, the risk of a particular wild animal carrying disease. So, you know, in my opinion, and, and in the agency's perspective, that's a job that's always best left up to the professionals. Well, this has certainly been an extremely enlightening discussion on protecting eagles and other wildlife, um, but also including domestic animals, as Robin had mentioned, hunting dogs. So my guests have been Pennsylvania State Senator Lisa Boscola, representing District 18, parts of Lehigh and Northampton counties, Robin Gabrowski, founder and executive director of Center Wildlife Care in Port Matilda, Center County, Pennsylvania, and Travis Lowe, communications director with the Pennsylvania Game Commission. My sincere thanks to all of you for your time, as well as your efforts to protect our wildlife. Thank you. It was Thank my you. honor. Welcome back to the Elchar Chronicles. This is a special post-show conversation for those listening online. I'm Karen Elchar, and joining me is State Representative Jeannie McNeil, representing the 133rd District, part of Lehigh County. And we are talking here about Pennsylvania Senate Bill 709 and protecting Pennsylvania's bald and golden eagles. Thank you for joining in the conversation. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So do you have a particular interest in this bill? 
Yes, I have been on Gaming Fishery Committee for several terms, and um, I'm hoping that it will finally come to the House side and be voted on and passed. So my understanding is that the bill recently passed the state Senate and was referred to the House, obviously your committee, Game and Fisheries. So can you talk about the process? What happens next? I guess I should first ask, did you get it? Did you get the bill? I have not. I have not gotten it. We usually don't get it sent to us unless it's going to be brought up in committee. We usually, there's so many Senate bills and um, same with the House side. We kind of pay attention to them and might talk to some stakeholders if, if we know what's coming our way. But as you know, a lot of the bills don't ever make it to committee. I'm hoping this one does. Um, we are winding down our last week. So if it does happen, it probably wouldn't happen until we come back in September. I just had a meeting with my committee chair and committee in fishing game this morning. And there were several bills we're voting on tomorrow, but that is not one of them at this point. Hmm. So given you're almost at the end, right before going out on recess, what is the hope at this point? Do you think it might come through? If it comes through, it probably, I almost could say positively, won't happen until September because I believe tomorrow is our last uh, fishing game committee meeting until we come back from the break. Okay, that would make sense. So this bill has been presented to your committee at least twice before. Um, and during the, yeah, and during the last session, it did seem as if it was even acted on. So why do you think, I'll start first with why do you think it didn't come out of committee? Why don't, why do you think they didn't act on it at the time? Well, each, each committee chair decides what bill they want to run. And they also get feedback from leadership. So up until this year, the, it was the House majority was Republicans. We had a Republican majority chair in our committee, Republican leadership. So I can't answer why they never ran it the last two times. As far as this, since it just got passed on the on the Senate side, um, we're in the midst of budget and just they're just trying to put out as many bills as they can before we break. And that so far has not been brought up by my chairwoman. Hopefully she can address it. Um, over the summer and go over it and um, check with stakeholders and see if there's any changes that she would want to make or anyone else would want to make with amendments. And hopefully she would consider running it in September. And so who would you consider stakeholders? On this one, even as I said stakeholders, I was thinking, well, who would they be? But almost every bill has them. But at the top of my head, I wouldn't think who they would be. I would think it would be positive animal groups and um, people from Fish and Game and who care about nature and our eagle and groups like that. Mm-hmm. And so if we ask, if we bring this forward to the public, obviously the public will be listening to this interview. Um, what kind of call to action would you recommend from the public? Reach out, reach out to uh, the majority minority chair of the Fish and Game Commission and reach out to its members. If they're your legislator, reach out to your state representative and ask them to urge the committee to run the bill, especially, like I said, the chairs, the minority and majority chair. And so given the composition of your committee at this point, would you, in your opinion, would you think that the bill may come forward and go out of committee to the House floor? I, I can't speak for my chairwoman which bill she's going to run. I can ask her um, today's meeting was very quick and we didn't have much time for a discussion other than tomorrow's bill. But I mean, I can ask her in the future or, or tomorrow when I see her, but until I hear from her, I'm not quite sure. It's her decision. So I do you know that if it gets comes to committee and to the house floor, I can't think of many people that would vote against it. 
We just have to get it run in the committee. Mm-hmm. Interesting. When I had interviewed the fishing, I'm sorry, the um, the game commission, Pennsylvania Game Commission individual, he's he's also said the same thing. He has a very positive opinion that it would probably pass if it goes to the full house for vote. Probably yes. So, well, I I hope you have the backing and the support of your of local organizations and have them come forward for favorable consideration by your committee and then also moving it onwards into the full house for a vote. So is there anything else you'd like to bring up regarding this issue? Um, no, not at all. Um, I, like I said, I'm just hoping we do get to vote on it when we come back in mid-September, and hopefully then we'll have the opportunity to see the governor sign this much-needed bill. Do you find yourself working with Senator Boscola on... Uh, well, until the, the election, she was my senator. And we, we, we worked well together. I just chatted with her a few minutes a couple hours ago, and we work with the Senate and the House. Of course, we all have certain senators that we know and, and work with more than others as they are on our side. So the bill is going to come into your committee. Obviously, we have other local senators, I'm sorry, local representatives here in the Lehigh Valley area. Do you work with them as well as far as? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, are we- Yes, our Lehigh Valley delegation on both sides of the aisle work well together. We're very fortunate. There's no animosity, and um, we're willing to work together for the best of the community, and, and that's how it should be in every community. Agreed. Well, if you have any other thoughts, um, otherwise I'd like to thank you for being so diligent and wanting to provide some additional input regarding this particular bill. Thank you. All right. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. You as well. Thank you for listening to the Elchar Chronicles. I'm Karen Elchar, and we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this program, please go to WDIY.org or the WDIY app to share or become a WDIY member.